Welcome, Wildcats, to another episode of the Weber State Weekly Football Show. We're a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Colby Peterson. On the show today, we have a full panel, three seats filled, guys. So right out of the gate, returning to the show tonight, we got Dustin Chappie Chapman. Chappie, how are you? That's like a great day to be a Wildcat. You just got an extra mm-hmm. strut your step today. It's a good day. Sure do. <laughs> Uh, wore, also, wore, had, had all purple at church yesterday. Made sure I had <laughs> Weber State tie pin on. I, I was going all out, man. It was, Make it, sure it was they a know. Good, good weekend. <laughs> uh, also on the show, uh, returning to the show, we got Chris Ferry. Chris, thanks for joining us again, man, to talk a little football. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. Yeah, it's been good. Uh, but first time on the show tonight, we have Trevor Zellweger. Trevor, Joining us uh, from law school, man, which I know is a grind, but appreciate you for taking some time to chat with us and welcome to Weber State Weekly, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I wore Dame's purple pants, a Weber State shirt and a Weber State hat to BYU today. Yeah, my man. Let's go. (laughs) My man. Okay. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the show coming up tonight, man. So uh, we have uh, another player interview for you guys tonight. We're going to be chatting with senior safety Desmond Williams, who also just won co-defensive player of the week in the Big Sky Conference. So we're going to talk to Desmond a little bit about his journey to Weber State and kind of overcoming some challenges. And now, obviously, a massive performance against the Aggies on Saturday night. So we'll talk about all that. Then we will get into some game analysis on that game against the Aggies. Uh, 35-7 win for the Wildcats. I say a landmark win, guys. I mean, this is a, a... a statement win, a program, high, high watermark. I think we'd all agree with that, right? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk all about that before we get into it though. We want to encourage everyone to subscribe to the show, whether that's on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all good places to find Weber state weekly. Um, I should also know, I never, I never mentioned this, but I need to add this. Um, these shows also go live on YouTube. So if you didn't get the show, if you don't want to listen to it, on any of the podcasting apps, you can also get it on YouTube. Find us on our YouTube channel. Uh, and then also we're on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Twitter, one of the best places to interact with the Weber State Weekly team, especially on game day, run by yours truly, because I'm usually sitting in my front room watching the game uh, and wish actually this last Saturday. So I uh, want to encourage everybody to follow us, subscribe, like, all those good things. And then, uh, of course, patreon.com. You can go to patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly, become a supporter, become a patron. We're so grateful to our patrons thus far. Who helped us keep the lights on at Weber State Weekly and continue to bring good content, hopefully, hopefully good content every single week. All right, guys. So we did all the stuff. Now let's let's welcome senior safety Desmond Williams to Weber State Weekly. Desmond, how are you doing, man? Thank you so much for taking some time. Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm doing good. Appreciate it. Glad to good, be yeah. on. Yeah, man, we're really excited to have you. Uh, like I said, especially with the performance that happened last weekend up in Logan, landmark win for the Wildcats, which you know you were a big part of. They're the pick six, which, by the way, I was I was watching Monday Night Football tonight, and they had house calls, and I was like, <laughs> I was honestly hoping because they showed the Marshall pick six against Notre Dame. I was like, oh, bro, are they going to show it? They didn't show it, so awesome. I was like, hey, Keyshawn Johnson, man, don't forget our man. So <laughs> appreciate the love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But man, let's start. Let's start from the beginning of your of your Wildcat journey, man. I mean, played three seasons up in Boise at Boise State, uh, now the home of you know defensive end George Tarlis. Wish him the best up there from Boise. Uh, but ultimately, you decided to come down and put on the purple and white and uh, become a Wildcat, man. So, I want to talk to you a little bit about that? About the decision to leave FBS and come down to the FCS level and have a lot of success, man. Because when you've been able to be on the field, you've had that success. So, talk to us about that decision to say, you know what, I'm going to leave after three seasons of, as a Bronco. And I want to become a wildcat. Um, I mean, um, I mean, in high school, I 
Um, actually knew my high school coach, knew Coach Avalos, the head coach now. Um, so that was one of the reasons, one of the big parts of me going there. Um, but yeah, I had a great time there and just um, little stuff here and there, just like usual stuff, playing time with with most guys. And I was young and immature at the time and stuff like that and, and grew from that. But um, um, I definitely wouldn't be who I am today without um, all the stuff I learned of at Boise. So I'm very appreciative of it. But one of my, uh, the people I came in with, Jake Constantine, who was a quarterback here, um, he was at Weber already and had the connection with him. Coach Bills, he had a great connection with Coach Bills, who I just talked to um, the other day. And uh, Coach Swan, actually, yeah, he came in. He was already doing some recruiting out there. So I came and I talked to him. And they. this is when they were on their big sky run and they were in the playoffs. So I definitely wanted to go to a school that was still successful and they were doing it. Um, eventually, um, unfortunately we lost to Maine that year. That was back in, I think 18. 18. Yeah, that was a good year, but yeah, unfortunately we came up a little short that year. And then, yeah. So Jake, Jake helped me get down here, coach Bills and coach Swan, who obviously aren't with the Wildcats anymore, but um, yeah, some great people that, um, I just had some good connections to get me down here, and I'm um, forever grateful. Yeah, I'd say that, you know, Wildcat fans are probably forever grateful, too, because like I said, when you've had the opportunity to be on the field, a person who has had a huge impact in the secondary. But I wanted to open it up to our panel a little bit. Guys, questions for Desmond Williams here tonight. Yeah, Des, uh, <clears throat> first of all, congratulations on the uh, huge win on Saturday and, and uh, two uh, players of the – Players of the Week awards this week uh, or today, one from the conference, one from the team. Uh, man, that was that was just an awesome game to be at. A big part of that game, I think the biggest part of that game was that secondary, the way that secondary played. You guys came up huge. So, and uh, four interceptions, including the one pick six uh, that, that you had. Uh, I just wanted to ask you if maybe you could just walk us through that play, that pick six play. Um, uh, did maybe did you see something in in film during the week or during the game or, or even just as that play uh, developed that kind of tipped you off to be able to be in position to to make that pick six and go all the way to the end zone untouched and if maybe you could just kind of walk us through that play and 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 some thoughts about that. Um, well, first off, uh, Coach Dell he put us. We had a great scheme going in, um, a great game plan, and I was I was in position to make plays just all night so especially with just how our defense is and how savvy we are and how aggressive we are and how fast we get to the ball and stuff um we're in positions to make plays every play so but um that play was actually a little wrinkle that they did um bringing through the fly motion and then with the fly motion they had already ran that a little bit early in the game so so hoping we get some of our guys having getting our guys to the fly motion and widening some gaps so um yeah they brought the fly motion and then they brought the Y, the, the, the tight end right up the field right after that, right after the fly motion fake. And I was already right in the middle field um, playing free in a great position. And, um, yeah, watching film a little bit helped a little bit with Bonner just with his eyes, um, being able to read his eyes. He's going with the ball. Um, he'll lead you right to the play. So, um, yeah, I just read his eyes and I saw the tight end just screaming up the field wide open. And I figured that's where he was going to throw it in. Um, right before the ball was even thrown, I was already breaking on it. So I figured that's where he was going to go and he happened to throw it. And uh, yeah, that was that. Nice. That, that was a backbreaker for them. I mean, game over after that play. 
So it was huge. Thank you. So Des, um, question for you. Uh, <laughs> we've talked here on the show about just how good we think the, the secondary unit is in uh, this year. It's the heart of the defense. Uh, the, the entire defensive secondary. <laughs> the word that keeps coming to me when I try to describe you guys, it's, it's nasty. Like you guys have a little bit of nasty to you. <laughs> is that, is, is there, is there a person that kind of leads that group or do you guys just feed off each other? What, what is practice like with, with you guys and, and how do you guys become such a good cohesive group like you are? Um, it's definitely, it's built over the years since I've been here. Um, Eddie's been here and he's been around the guys that really started it. Um, Keelan and those guys. Um, and now he's here coaching, helping us out. So he, he helps us every day, just building that mindset. Cause he started it, um, with the championship run back in his day. So, um, Eddie just, yeah, since I've been here and then Max and Cam and those guys came in and, and we've really just built, um, relationships from the, from the beginning, but um, yeah, we all we all just honestly we just want to make plays, and we know that we have the abilities. And like you said, just the nastiness, we just go in every game with with our own little swagger and our own little chip on our shoulder. Just you know, knowing that last year wasn't a great year, and we didn't do the things that we wanted to do, and knowing that we have the secondary that we have that we can go and we can play man across the board and guard whoever we need to guard, um, go up against whoever whatever quarterback, whatever receiving core that they have. So, um, yeah, it's just a swagger that we hold to ourselves. And, and I would definitely say, yeah, we feed off each other a little bit of, little bit of chippiness here and there, a little bit of talking. And that's just how, that's just how we are all around. And once we get going, there's really no stopping. Yeah. I got to get in their heads a little bit. Yeah, of uh, course. <laughs> Trevor, a uh, question what? for Desmond Williams. Yeah. So Des, Utah State hasn't beaten Boise since 2015 before you enrolled. And now they haven't beat us since 2016. So what is it about Desmond Williams that makes Utah State incapable of beating him? (laughs) I definitely wouldn't say it's me at all. Um, Boise, they got a great group of coaches. Like I said, um, yeah, I learned so much being over there. And um, that's when they were really on their reign, too, when I first got there, just winning Mount West Championships. So. The coaching staff over there is great. The coaching staff over here, coaching staff over here is great. So, um, yeah, I mean, wherever I where I am, it's really just the it goes all up to the coaches, really, and the players around me that I'll be able to uh, be capable. So, a uh, quick question for me: uh, Logan Bonner is like a I don't know. It feels like he's a twelfth year senior, sixth year, <laughs> yeah. seven, seven, sixth or seventh year. Seriously, <laughs> what, what no, kind of prep seven? it's crazy so so Desmond what kind of prep do you guys put in if you wouldn't mind just take us through you know knowing that it's going to be a pass heavy scheme what do you guys do during the week to to prep for that coach Hill mentioned on post game you know that you guys were early and and putting in time I mean what 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 actually goes into to prepping for a guy like Logan Bonner to be able to have the performance that you guys did on Saturday um, like you said, just a lot of film work um, with the coaches, with ourselves, just being accountable, watching film on our own, even when the coaches aren't available, um, getting together with some of the some of the guys in between classes or whatever we have to do just to to watch film, whether it's on our phones, in the facility, whatever it is. But yeah, when we play teams like that, we get excited because we know they're going to pass the ball. And that's our strong suit. You want to pass the ball on our DBs, then go ahead and try. So that's we get excited when we play a team like that that's going to pass the ball around 30, 40 times a game. 
um, because we get those opportunities to make plays and uh, get turnovers. So, um, um, yeah, we've been looking forward to this game all offseason. We knew, obviously, FBS versus FCS. We know how how that pans out all the time. And hopefully getting Coach Coach Hill his first FBS win, even though we should have had some um, years in the past. So, um, yeah, we were excited. We were excited all along to play them. And even though they were losing some of their key weapons from last year, we knew that that was their game plan just to go out and try to air it out. And that's how they try to win games. So, um, yeah, like you said, a lot of film, a lot of film prep, um, coach Hill, he's in there every morning. They're they're in there every morning and he takes time with us, um, in the morning to watch film for with us for about an hour before he goes to staff meeting. So, um, I mean, if we wake up early enough, we'll go in there and watch film with coach and get a little hour in and then we'll get some film in later on too. So, um, whenever we're really not doing anything, we're trying to get in there and watch some film, and, and that's just how you got to prepare. Desmond, you've uh, since coming to Weber State, had a couple of challenges in terms of health. Um, 2019 tore your ACL in camp, so didn't really get to play in the semifinal run that year. Um, was able to get back, played in the spring season, but another injury in at the on the very last game of the uh, regular tw- spring 2021 season. And now I've come back from that. You know, you were able to bounce back and came in midstream through the the fall 2021 season, man. So talk to us a little bit about how you're able to overcome big injuries and then come back and still play at a high level, right? Because you've had a couple of serious injuries and every time you've come back, you've made an impact, right? So talk to us a little bit about that. I mean, obviously there's the physical aspect of rehabbing, but talk to us a little bit about the mental aspect of rehabbing as well and getting back out there and performing at the level that you were before you got hurt. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's unfortunate, but, um, it's a part of the game and, um, just something that happens is out of my control, but, um, yeah, physically it's, it's, it was a lot of rehab and it's, it, it was being in there every day. And, um, I'm thankful to the, our rehab team over there at Weber and I'm thankful for, um, the guys around me, just knowing that when, um, that I'm capable of coming back. And like you said, the mental aspect of it, um, it really goes to, first of all, my faith in God, just trusting and believing that he has a plan for me. And that it's, it's really just part of the plan. It's part of the, part of my story, um, no matter what it is, but, um, yeah, that, that's a really big part of it. And, um, another part is just the guys there over at, um, over, um, at Weber just surrounding me with, great teammates, great coaches believing in me, knowing that um, if I get back that they trust in me to, to go back out there and do the things that I can do. So one, I got to stay true to myself and be like, yeah, they're, they're, they're looking at me to come back and I, I want to come back and play too. So I got to go hard every day in treatment to get back and, and be out there on the field with those guys, even though it's been, like you said, unfortunate events, it's been a little bit more time injured than maybe playing. So um, it's my job to get back, to where I know I can play to. So, um, I hold myself to a high standard and they hold me to a high standard as well. So it's really, it's really just been my faith in God and and the people around me just helping me and supporting me and just knowing that they have my back, my family knowing that they have my back and knowing that at the end of the day, um, yeah, it's big time injuries, but it's injuries that we've seen, unfortunately, a lot in this game, um, especially over the past couple of years with big time athletes. Um, getting injured NFL collegiate level. So um, it's just something just knowing that if I can see those people do it, then I know I can do it as well. Um, 
just got to get the procedure done. And then from there, it's all on me just getting the rehab done. Cause at the end of the day, it's a, it's another injury that other, other people have went through and other people have came back from, um, the same, if not better. So I knew that if they could do it, then I can do it as well. Hmm. Guys, a uh, couple more questions here with Desmond before we wrap up. Yeah, Des, um, <clears throat> you're a captain this year, uh, and kind of, uh, related with that. I, you know, I noticed during the game as I, I rewatched it again today, I noticed a couple of times where things came kind of got heated there on the field, you know, kind of after plays, I, I noticed that you were kind of, you were the one that would come over and try to kind of calm that situation down. That's, you know, what a captain does, but, uh, what is it, uh, you know, the captains on this team are voted on by, by the players. What does that meant to you to be, to be a captain on this team? And, and what are some of the things you, tr- you've tried to do as a captain to make an impact on the team? It's, it's been a true honor, really. It was a goal of mine, um, coming into this season to be a captain. Um, it's been a goal of mine for the past couple of years, um, honestly, but, um, yeah, I'm really honored for the guys to vote me on. And I mean, like I said before, with or without it, I, I probably would be the same person, honestly, um, just talking and being vocal because that's just who I am. But so I don't think I'd be any different without it, but, um, it, it's, it's an honor and I'm, I'm happy to have it because it was a goal of mine, but yeah, I mean, with, with or without it, I'd probably still be the vocal loud Des that I am trying to, trying to lead other guys and, and really just lead by example. And that's really what most of us captains really try to do. Some of us are more vocal than others. Um, but I think we all just, we lead by example and we go out there and we play our hardest and we practice hard and we do the right things. And, um, we just get, um, seen by our peers and in a, in a special light and it's an honor for that. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm honored to have it, but I think I would be out there still doing the same things, talking a little bit and trying to encourage other guys to play their best ball. Hmm. Chappie or Trevor, uh, wrap up final question here for Desmond Williams. Yeah, I just have one. We've had a lot of Weber State has been known for its defense throughout the year, but so far through two games, this defense is better than all the rest. I mean, you haven't even given them a, a touchdown yet. So, what would you say in your past three years here has been the difference between this defense and the ones you've been on prior? Um, that's tough because we've had some really good defenses. Um. One was 2019 that I wasn't a part of, but I was very upset not to be a part of um, with a- with Alex and, and Connor and Noah Vallea and those guys. Um, that was a stacked defense when George was here and stuff like that when we had a great playoff run. So um, I don't know. I think really it just has a lot to do with last year, honestly. Um, just having that chip on our shoulder and knowing that um, if we want to get to where we want to be, we have to, we got to do the things that we've been doing and we hold ourselves to a high standard. And I mean, like I said, we got, we've had great guys on our defense and I wouldn't um, say we have any better or, or worse guys on our defense because we've had some guys that have played ball um, for a long time here. Like Eddie's played before, Mark has played before. Max has played since he's a freshman. Cam's, Cam Gare has played. So we have guys, but we also have guys that have stepped up, like Nassim and stuff like that. Uh, Garrett Beck, um, some D-line guys that have stepped up. So I wouldn't say 
there's really any difference because, like you said, uh, our defense has been our staple here at Weber for a long time, and we go in there um, knowing that that we have to hold things down. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what I don't know what the difference is, but I yeah, it's definitely a different vibe this year, and and I'm glad we're on to, off to a great start, and and now we know we definitely know what we're capable of um, pitching a shutout against Utah State. Um, but yeah, that's our goal, not to let anybody score. So if we keep that mindset, it's really just a mindset thing. And we keep that mindset. Um, then I know that we can go out there and we can do that every game. Des, uh, last thing for me, more of a comment than a question. <laughs> that the, to me, the series of the game, the turning point of the game was that uh, the defensives you guys had right before halftime. Uh, I, I was commenting with the person I was watching the game with. I was like, Weber does not want to let them score. Like they are, they, they are bullying them. <laughs> and they are like, they are, there is some chatting going on down there and chippiness and lo and behold, you guys didn't let them score. And that was where the game turned, honestly, in my opinion, you, you, the, the nastiness that we talked about and the chipping and all that shown right through drive. And to me, that just embodied uh, what you guys are as a defense and what you're capable of throughout this year. Yeah. I went back and I watched it and Garrett had, a big time tip right there when Bonner threw it and, and Max just with the savviness that he has just to pick get out the air right there but I, I pledged gear today like man that was a great tip without that tip he might because he, that, he was wide open so that, that was, it was great a whole team effort I mean first and goal on the four and and, yeah. and you guys just I mean like in between every play there was there was talking and just, it was, it was so much fun. You guys just were straight up bullied them into not scoring and willed it, willed that to happen. And it was amazing. As you mentioned that uh, Garrett Beck, and I'm glad you did because how good is that guy in, in uh, coverage, right? Yeah. The interception last week, he had that tip play, which was huge. As I watched it today, he blew up on a, a screen play where he stayed in coverage, stayed on the guy. Yeah. He, he's been great. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, Desmond Williams, want to thank you so much, man, for taking Weber State Weekly. Want to wish you the best of luck in your prep this week for Utah Tech. Uh, that game will be at home, folks. So make sure you get out to Stewart Stadium and witness this great team um, and give them a warm welcome, man. Uh, obviously, the Wildcats coming back as triumphant heroes from Logan with an FBS dub under their belt. Want to support them as best we can, man. But Desmond Williams, thank you so much for taking a little bit awesome. of time. Thank you guys so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, we'll see you, man. Awesome. You guys have a good one. Thanks, Des. I uh, want to thank Des Williams one more time for taking some time to chat with us on Weaver State Weekly. Like I said, man, um, big deal. Really, you know, we actually asked for the interview before they had announced he was going to be co-defensive player of the week. Um, and then, like you mentioned, Chris, uh, also named by the team as defensive player of the week. So big week for, I think everybody could kind of feel that, you know, the impact there was big. And like we said earlier, that pick six kind of like that broke their back, man. Like, the Aggies just kind of like that put them up, that put the Wildcats up three scores. And so at that point, it was just like, yeah, man, I don't think it's going to happen for the Aggies. Sorry, cows. <laughs> but uh, let's talk a little bit about the game, guys, uh, because I'll see a marquee win, a big one. I think a, a feather in the cap for Jay Hill, um, his first FBS win, uh, the first FBS win since 1993 for the Wildcats, and the first time beating Utah State since 1978. Uh, so, 
And not, not a close win either, guys. 35-7. to seven. I mean, that's a pretty convincing win. So uh, let's start out from the top, though. The thing that sticks out the most to me is turnovers in this game. There were seven. There were four picks for Bonner. Bronson Barron had three. Um, part of that is, like we just talked about with Desmond Williams, the fact that the secondary was very good and very ready to snipe whatever Logan Bonner was going to throw out there because the the run the run defense was so that like they had to turn to and plus Bonner has a lot of experience right so they were ready to to capitalize on that but on the flip side um, some 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 passes sailed on Bronson Barron that turned into interceptions and so I wanted to ask you guys like is that something that you think continues that like obviously you, the the defense continues to get those turnovers but that sometimes you know the offense is going to struggle and throw those picks because when I looked at Mickey Mental's turnover numbers at Notre Dame College he always had his quarterbacks taking care of the ball so do you think it gets better I hope so you know, we've talked about uh Barron's uh, accuracy uh, he was only 50% on his passes. Uh, one of those interceptions was almost more like a fumble. You know, he, w- he was blown up on, yeah. uh, it, it, you know, it was more of a sack. He lost the ball. He might've been, you know, in the process of throwing it, but, but still the other two were, were just bad throws. Um, the one was in the double, co- double coverage. He sold it. That safety got over there. It was way past uh, T-Mac, I think. And so he's got to improve on the accuracy. Um, for sure. Um, as far as the defense goes, and, and we've already talked about the secondary, and, and, and we've had, what, seven interceptions already this year uh, in four. Yeah. I mean, the, the crowd up there, and you probably heard that, they were booing um, when they kept John Bonner out. Guy, right? Yeah, yeah, Bonner back out there. Well, guys, it wasn't Bonner. I mean, it was, uh, it was our, our secondary. And, uh, and then they would boo when they ran the ball. Well, they were only, they were running the ball because they knew they couldn't pass the ball. So no, I think that that secondary is going to keep that up. I'm pretty sure of that they're great. So to me, I don't, yeah. Turnovers were definitely a story on defense. I actually liked Bronson Barron's performance in the game. I, I thought Bronson showed great improvement over the first game. It's still a new offense. And yeah, there were some interceptions, to me, though, especially talk about his accuracy, um, that pass that he threw to T-Mac that was like 60-yarder, that was right on the money. Nice uh, the, two, yeah. the, the two passes that he had uh, in the end zone, both of them fades, they were pinpoint accuracy, right? So to me, the flashes are there, right? Like, to me, they're, yeah. they're still just working out the kinks. Um, the thing that I loved about watching the offense and watching them progress is that you can see what they're doing. You can see that they're doing like, you know, five yard in five yard slants in and getting as many yards as they can on those plays. And then they fake the in, run it, run it for a fade. And it's, it's, it's brilliant. And to me, the Bronson was at his absolute best on Saturday and this whole season when, when they're doing three-step drop quick decision passes. Okay. Um, to me, the times he has struggled has been, when, when either the first read isn't there and he's going to the second or third, I think that's when both picks happen. Um, or when he's, when it, when there's just nothing there and it's a five-step drop. So it, the more that we can do three-step drop decisions to me, the better off that we are, but watching the offense is fun. I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoy seeing the tight ends getting involved. Um, 
I do, they do, we do need to cut down the turnovers, but all in all, to me, it, it just feels more like growing pains than, uh, you know, a consistent problem at this point. Yeah, I do need to, to kind of add in on that about what, what Chappie said, and because I, I, I was a little hard there on Barron, but he made some big time throws as well. He did. Those two touchdowns to T-Mac and that, that long 60-yarder to, to T-Mac, and he made some great throws as well. So, yeah, like Chappie said, it is there. It needs to be more consistent. I think that's the key. And by the way, that 60-yard 60 60-yard uh, play to T-Mac, T-Mac straight up outran that kid. <laughs> like he, he was open because he beat the guy. <laughs> he straight up outran him, which is a really good sign because one thing we worried about coming into the season was the ability to do that. I mean, Rashid would outrun everybody as the number one guy, <laughs> you know, and having T-Mac have the ability to do that, to be the defensive secondary's number one target and be able to outrun guys, that's a, that's a great sign going forward, in my opinion. Trevor, I don't know what's your what's your take, man. I mean, yeah, offensively, I honestly am not really concerned. If you look at Bronson over his career, he only had two games coming into today with multiple interceptions. That was against Southern Illinois and Utah Tech last year. So over his past his first two years, he has taken care of the ball. So I'm really not worried about that. The one interception, like you guys already mentioned, it wasn't really an interception. So um, I'm not too concerned there. And then defensively, I do think it will continue um, because Bonner didn't throw a pick in their first two games against UConn or Alabama. And he only had one game with multiple interceptions last year. And he started every game for Utah State. So I think that's a great sign for the defense. Yeah, I mean, and it's a good point, right? Like where you're saying like no picks against UConn. Okay, fine. No picks against Alabama who is a tough team and a team that I think we expect to be in the college football playoff. You know, I don't think if they, if they're not a top four team in the country, they'll be sad. Uh, but lots of NFL guys on that roster, uh, no picks there, but then the Wildcats come into town and four, four of them, you know? And so well, that, that says something about the defense, obviously. And, and then another good point like that you made Trevor is like, Barron's only had a handful of games, you know, just a couple of games where he threw multiple interceptions and keep in mind that like he played a good chunk of the game against Utah last season, started that game, I guess. And then Utah is a, is a, a similar team to Weber state in that like, they're going to put DBs into the NFL. That's what they do really well. And the one, the one pick that comes to my mind from that game was really a tip because it wasn't really his fault. Right. It, it came off of Randall Grimes and then, you know, they ended up falling into the lap of, of the DB. And so it's like, I think you're right, Trevor, that they're that Baron can clean it up. I think that, especially like we said that Mickey mental always coaches his guys up to not turn the ball over. He always, when I looked at the MEC, uh, the last couple of seasons when Men mental was the head coach, I mean, they led the conference in fewest INTs. So it's like, he always encourages his guys to take care of the ball. I think we can get there. Uh, it's just, it's just a growing pains, you know, of like going through, making sure he's got his reads and he's, you know, getting comfortable in, in the scheme as the season wears on. Hopefully that comes down. And I think it will. And uh, on the topic of Bonner getting booed, because <laughs> Chris yeah. brought it up. Uh, I, I, I likewise went back and rewatched the game today. Okay. There were a couple balls that he sailed. Those guys were that dropping first balls. One, that first yeah. one. 
those guys, the, the receivers were dropping a lot of balls. <laughs> okay. There, there was, there were, there were a few there where it was like, mm, that was a catchable ball. That was a catchable ball. And, and their guys were dropping it. So I bet my, my take on it is that Bonner kind of started forcing it when they had to throw because they were down and Weber was stacking the box with seven guys on defense. And so the run was there, but it wasn't really effective. It was more kind of bend, don't break. So anyway, I, I know. Aggie Aggie fans weren't happy, and Coach Anderson wasn't happy about that after. But their their receivers didn't do him any favors. Yeah, definitely not. So, guys, I mean, you just saw Millard's question there in the in in the chat about you know is is Weber State really good or is Utah State really bad? My take is I think it's a little bit of both, right? Because like you said, the defense was very ready for what Bonner was going to do. They had a very good game plan for what how they were going to play that game and they executed it really, really perfectly on flip side of that Utah state, you know, they lost a lot of guys. So it's a lot of new guys playing. I think that they have a good coaching staff, but guys, they're just not quite, not quite ready. And they they've got their own growing pains, right? They, I think that they lost a lot, uh, especially in their wide receiving core of guys that, you know, Bonner was very comfortable throwing the ball to those guys are now gone, you know? And so it's a new receiving core, and I've got a question about that on our side of the ball later, but uh, I think that it's like it's a combination of the Wildcats, you know, being very, very good and wanting to get back to what they do well, plus timing with Utah State. I think probably if we had caught Utah State, maybe you know, with two or three weeks to go in the season, it's probably going to be a different team, right? Agreed. And again, that's what everything is, right? More time together, yeah. They get tougher. That's how it goes. They are young, but it, it, yeah, I think it's going to be a long season in Logan. Yeah. Well, um, also want to talk when we interviewed Coach Mental, he we asked him which player had him most excited, and he said Josh Davis. And Josh Davis looked rejuvenated in this game. Like this was, you know, freshman sophomore Josh Davis against the Aggies, an FBS opponent. Because you know, a lot of people say, "Oh, Davis is undersized for his position," but when he when he's allowed to play his style of game when he's out able to get out through the edge or when the offensive line can make holes for him where he can get through into the second level, man, that's where he's really dangerous. And uh, that's what I felt like he was doing on, on Saturday, 97 yards. I mean, so the question to you guys, I mean, do you think that that carries on? Do you think that like, yeah, we're going to see freshman sophomore year, Josh Davis this year because of the belief in coach mental and plus his health is a hundred percent. How do you guys feel about that? So, so two things for me, um, one, the, the best thing about Josh Davis this year is that he's got DeMond Bankston backing him up and killing it. <laughs> yeah, DeMond Bankston looked really, really good. Had some really he, big runs. He's got some wheels, man. He's got oh, some so wheels. Fast. His acceleration <laughs> is insane. Like That's exactly right. As soon as he gets in open space, he's gone. And to me, and and we were, I was, we were, we've talked about this a little bit in, in our own internal chat, but I mean, DMAC is a solid running back. Chris Jackson is a solid running back. And DeMond... Is, is, is now running the second guy. He's, 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 he's the backup at this point or the number two RB two to me, that says more about what he did in the off season and the amount of belief that, that the coaches have in him rather than any of the other guys. Like we have four solid guys <laughs> in that running back room and, and it's going to be fun to watch. So I, I like that part about Josh Davis, but scheme wise, I also love what coach mental is doing because you'll notice We've, as we've talked about, Josh Davis, if there's a weak spot in his game, it's running between the tackles, right? He does best when he gets out into open space. And mm-hmm. again, rewatching the game, Coach Mental's creating open space for him by doing 
not just pitches to the outside or, you know, runs he's, he's doing cutback runs. They're, they're, they're going in and then they're cutting back across almost like a, uh, almost like a trap, but they're, they're a draw trap, but there's no, there's not a line of pulling. They're just going one way and then he's cut back the other way. And, and, and it's creating space for him on the offside, which allows him to do what he does best and run in the open field. Um, and to me, that's, it's, it's good scheming so far. It's working just great. Yeah, if Josh, yeah, guys, miss. He's great, right? Yeah, I agree uh, with that. I think we'll see Josh have a really good year, and I think that part of that comes with the fact that they are going running back by committee. Both him and Bankston had 18 carries this year, this week, and the week before, Josh had 11, and Bankston had 10. So I anticipate that coach mental is going to keep mixing it up like that and give a lot of guys carries, but I think that's going to help Josh a ton. <laughs> yeah. It should keep him fresh. Right. Cause I, I'm with you happy. It's like D Mac and Chris Jackson are, are two of our strongest backs, right? Like short yarded situations. Those are, those are my guys. Right. I think that, you know, with Josh Davis getting the schemes that he needs to be effective, that's going to help because they're going to have to respond. They can't just, you know, stop them at the line. They're going to have to get clever and figure out how to stop that. And then, like we said, the acceleration of Demond Banks and then plus the reps that he's getting this season, right? Like we didn't see this last year. Like, no, the reps that Demond Banks is getting right now, plus, you know, the special teams um, opportunities that he's getting as well. I think that bodes well for, for his future in a Wildcat uniform. Chris, you had some stuff. No, I, I agree with everything that's been said about Davis. Um, I think I thought that was his best game he's had in three years um, since those that 18, 19, those seasons. So I thought he looked great. He averaged over five yards a carry at the touchdown. Um, I think he, I, like Chappie said, I think the scheme really fits him well. And I think he's just, he just looks determined. He's just mm-hmm. determined to have a big year. The senior year he's, He's had a, some struggles the last two years with injuries and that he's determined he's going to have a great year. I, I, yeah, I can feel that. You, you can see him like when he's, you can see him running into the tacklers. Like he's, he's embracing, you know, he's not just skirting out of bounds. Like he's having so much fun out there that he wants to get hit and wants to go initiate the hit with, with, with the guys that are trying to tackle him. And uh, to me, that's just a sign of a guy that's having a good time out there. Right. I mean, and that's how he was freshman year, right? Like he was looking for that contact. Like he, he wanted to hit guys, right? You know, he's fresh out of high school and he was ready to go. And man, like he was so good, but the injuries have kind of hampered him a little bit. Probably, you know, been like, all right, man, like take it easy on some of that stuff. But now he's, he's ready to go. And so, you know, to answer my own question, are we going to see freshman and sophomore year, Josh Davis? So far, I think the answer is yes. Like he's looking for that contact got a coach who wants to scheme for him knows what he does well and it's going to create situations where he can do it yeah man i think i think he's going to have another thousand yard season yeah i think we will we might not see the, the same numbers just because what, what you know what trevor said they're going to share the ball a little bit more and that, that'll be a good thing keep him healthy help help keep him healthy and we got other backs that can run it so yeah but he'll he'll be he'll be great and, and you notice the Utah State game, it was like they were almost trading series, right? Like DeMond would come in and run, you know, if it was a, if it was a long series, he'd sub out. But it was almost like, you know, okay, Josh, this is your series. DeMond, this is your series until we get six, seven, eight plays deep into the drive and you need a blow, you know. And that's that's great. That's phenomenal. Yeah. So 
So guys, on the reverse side of the ball, I mean, running the ball was all the Aggies had, right? We talked about the issues that, that Bonner was having against the Weber State secondary. You know, he Bonner ton of experience, a ton of experience, you know, Mountain West Conference championship game MVP last season. They held him to 120 yards and three picks like, man. Uh, so they go the run. That's what they got. Right. But the Wildcat defense gives up 126 yards on the on the run game. I mean, is that like, eh, I'm not really worried because that's what they had to do. Or is that going to be a problem? against teams that have backs like UC Davis who were a couple of weeks or NAU at the end of the season, you know, they've got, they've got a back down there who can really do some damage. Montana state. I would normally put in there, but man, they've just been decimated with injuries at the, at the running back position. And, you know, normally I'd say like, Oh, we're going to see Isaiah Fonse. Like, Oh, that guy's a, he's a man among boys, you know, but how are you guys feeling about the run defense after you know what you saw against this FBS opponent? I thought I thought they played well on Saturday. 126 yards isn't isn't a huge number. They they average just about a little over three yards a carry. Um, they started to be more run heavy because they couldn't pass the ball. So there was that, and then you you know, that was a, a Mountain West uh, conference team, and you know the, you combine that with the year the week before giving up a school record um, minus 37 yards. I think we're I think we're gonna be okay there. I didn't see any reason for concern. Yeah, same here. I mean, they had two runs, one went for twenty and one went for sixteen. Outside of that, they were averaging two point seven yards per carry. I really wasn't that impressed with their running game. And they were pretty one dimensional. They ran up the gut so much. I was sitting among all Utah State fans. And they were so frustrated with the play calling. I thought the defensive line did great at stopping the run. And yeah, they had two that went for some chunk yardage, but I don't think it's a cause for concern. It, and I think about a third of their yardage came in that fourth quarter when there was probably a lot of twos and threes in there. Right. Because that's the thing I think that we should say is that like Weber State was up so much on an FBS school that they subbed out. They let the twos and threes get reps against this FBS opponent. Yeah. Right? And so right. that's going to, you know, maybe grow the numbers a little bit when the ones and twos really had it locked down. You'll notice that, uh, go back and watch it, that, that Weber was kind of trying to, the game plan, I think, was to goad them into running. They, 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 they only ran three down linemen, right? Like Weber was intentionally, trying, I think, trying to get them to run by having three linemen and then stacking the box with linebackers and, and things like that. And, and it, they had to get yards somewhere, the yards they got, and, and they chose to, they chose to pass more than, or excuse me, to run more than pass. And I'm not concerned. I, I felt like it was scheme on the coach's part by trying to, 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 to force them into the run by, by defensive lineup. And they did. Um, talking a little bit about our own offensive line guys, no sacks allowed against an FPS opponent, which was great. Surprising, but seven Surprising. TFLs. So, I mean, a little bit of like kind of a mixed bag. Like I said, good to see the Baron did not get sacked. That's terrific to see against an opponent like this, but also on the flip side, seven TFLs, you know, you can talk about whether or not that matters or not. 
How do you guys grade that? Because the offensive line, like we said, is a position we're really watching this season. Jay Hill has consistently said that, you know, it's a, it's a, we're a little bit thin at that position. And so, you know, we're going to be watching to make sure guys can stay healthy and that they're going to be effective. How, how do you guys grade that offensive line performance? I, I would grade it the same way I graded the quarterback place. Good at times, not great at, at other times. Um, there was still too many, uh, too many run plays that were just getting stuffed at the line. That probably led to a lot of those TFLs and um, need to get a little bit better push on it at some time. Um, so good and bad, I think, or good and not as good. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think we can effectively say Bronson's second interception was a sack. But I was actually, I, I thought the offensive line overall did well. I'd probably give them a B. Uh, we haven't seen Ethan Natongi at center before. So we're getting some guys at different positions. So I think as the season progresses that, um, they'll get used to their new positions and as a unit, they'll get a lot better. Yeah, they're, they're going to do great. Um, and Bronson didn't, wasn't scrambling for his life. Like he was, you know, the Utah game last year specifically, it felt like he was running for his life for most of the game. Right. Uh, it didn't feel like that. The, a lot of the runs he did have were, were planned quarterback draws. In fact, another thing to give Bronson credit on, uh, was that second quarter when he juked that guy on, on, on about 18, 20 yard QB run. He, he left that guy standing there and it was beautiful. <laughs> he, he ran well this game. He did. He did. I yeah. still get nervous whenever I see him run the QB draw. Cause I just, I don't know, I worry about his health cause he's just had a couple issues there and I get it, mm-hmm. but he, he ran when he, when he's run, he runs well. Yeah. I'll just I add Sorry. Chris. Offensive line. Why, why is that? I, fe- I felt like they, they played better than they did the first game and that was against an FBS team. So yeah. Showed improvement, I thought. Yeah, I, I, Bronson was only hurried twice the entire game. So as far as pre- pass protection goes, I think they did very well. Yeah, and I was going to say, you know, within that eight penalties for 56 yards, you know, I think some of that, Trevor, is like what you're saying. New guys, new positions. You're going to have some problems, you know, with that kind of stuff, false starts and that kind of thing. That's fine. Like that'll that'll work itself out because like we've said on the show already, you know, the past couple of weeks, Guys have got to got to step up to different different slots on the offensive line. They're learning new things. Didn't exactly go the way we had hoped in camp. So eight penalties for fifty six yards. It's not the worst. You know, Utah State had eleven for a hundred yards as their offense. You know, so uh, let me go. Last question here. So. We've talked. I want to talk a little bit more about the past game because I think we can all agree that we were a little bit nervous about how it went against Western Oregon. Of course, the Wildcats get the dub, um, but there were some execution opportunities that were missed because, like, the play calling was good, but just weren't able to get in guys' hands. We saw that improve a little bit on this one, um, and so I want to ask you guys this though: I mean, Mental promised a very balanced offense, and that's what we got. It was two, about 200 yards passing and about 200 yards rushing. You know, that's, that's what you got. So 
question to you guys is this. I mean, 200 yards only passing, it's not exactly prolific when you look at some of the numbers that, you know, some of the really good passers put up. Like, I look at what uh, What's-His-Face did down at Missouri State on Friday, I think it was. Shelly. Yeah, yeah. Like, that kid was throwing the ball all over, and it was like, wow, this kid can really get it done, you know? Um, but the 200 yards felt clutch is what I wrote in the notes that like, it's only 200 yards, but man, those 200 yards mattered. And so my question to you guys is, you know, what's your read on the chemistry between Bronson and the receiving core? Cause it seems like it's improving. You know, like we said, there were some miscues, but then also some really nice, you know, fades to the T-Mac and stuff like that, where the ball was put just so the defense wasn't going to get their hands on it. And it was the only person they could get it was the receiver. What's your guys' take on, on that? I'm not worried about it because we're not, I mean, we don't need Bronson Barron to be a 400 yard a, a night guy. Like we don't, we don't yeah. need that. Don't. So, so if he, if he's 200 yards and effective and hits guys on clutch throws like that and hit, you know, hits open receivers, that that's what we need. I mean, I, that's, we've always <laughs> going back to, to pass quarterbacks, uh, you know, since Cantwell, <laughs> not not to be any be specific, but it should be reasonably obvious. <laughs> I'm just Stephen Cantwell. You know, it it doesn't. That's that's what it needs to be. A guy that can can rush a little bit when he gets outside the pocket or when they call his number, and that can hit 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 the open guy. I mean, it, if we have a guy that's more effective than Jake Constant, we're in Frisco. And that's that's what we need Bronson Barron to be. It is a balance. It's supposed to be a balance attack. If if you've got a balance attack, you're not going to have 400 yards passing. So so it's okay. Like Chappie said, we just we need to be effective. And um, as far as the receivers go, I think Jacob Sharp has been a, a revelation. Yes. Man, that guy, man, that guy can so play. Clutch? He was clutch. Yeah, and especially after after the catch, man, he, he can move. Um, and then T Mac got it going. We, you know, from my interview with T Mac, he wants to have a big year. He's determined. Uh, that was great to see him with those. That with I, I would have given him. I would give him the offensive MVP, and I think the team did. In fact, so he had a great game. Receivers, receivers are they're going to be there. Yeah, I feel really good about it. I. They move, They get the ball to a lot of guys. A lot of people get targets, which I think is great. They spread the ball around so much, and that's part of Mental's offense, which I think is great. Um, everything to T-Mac was great. Uh, I mean, all three of his catches were incredible throws, incredible catches. And then exactly like Chris said, uh, Jacob Sharp moving. He came into Weber as a corner and moving him over. I texted Coach Ridley after the game. Uh, that was just such a great move to move him over to offense. So fast. I mean, that kid, he's already had such an impact this season. I mean, that dude is, I mean, a freshman, right? Like just brand new and now already having opportunities to make an impact. Like, man, you love to see that because it's just like, man, this kid is just going to get better and better. All right, guys. Uh, that's Utah State. Wildcats win it 35 to 7. Historic win. First one against the Aggies since 1978. First FBS win since 1993. Love it, man. Wildcats are 2-0 with Utah Tech coming to town. Chappie, you got one thing? The thing about an FBS win 
Okay. In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. Like, like I, I don't, I don't see what our game is, but in the third segment, but if, if this were the game of where does this right, where this game ranks in Weber state history, as far as wins or Jay Hill history, it's hard to beat that Montana semifinal game, but I would kind of mm. put this right below that for me. Um, final game. Yes. Oh, thank you. Quarterfinal game. But the, to me, the, the thing about an FBS win is this, it, it, it shows progression as a program, right? Like the top, the top FCS teams do beat FBS teams pretty with reasonable regularity, right? Not all the time, but with reasonable regularity, unless you're North Dakota state who currently is on an eight game winning streak against FBS teams, but the ability to nine, do dude, that, they're playing Arizona, Arizona sucks. It's probably, probably going to get about as ugly as Utah state and Weber state. Um, but to me, it, it just, it's wonderful because it shows the progression of a, pro, of a program okay? where it's, it's another step. It's another feather in our cap of things that good top tier FCS teams do with regularity. So we're there, which is great. Yeah. But I was going to say, I saw oh, Sam Herter talking about this um, with somebody on Twitter today. And he was just saying that like, of the so many teams that, you know, beat FBS schools last year, like a handful, like only a couple, one or two actually made the playoffs. So FBS wins are not necessarily indicative of playoff caliber team, right? A lot of his matchup timing, whatever. And so you're right, Chappie FBS wins are great and they show progression for the program. The Wildcats are at that level, uh, but it doesn't guarantee you a spot in the playoffs, you know, like we've said, I think that, you know, what guarantees you a spot in the playoffs are three weeks in October this year. That's what's going to get you a spot in the playoffs. So it's nice, but doesn't it, it only moved us up six, what, only four spots. We were 16 going into the Utah State game. We're now at 12. It'll only do so much for you. Yeah, for those reasons, it wasn't, it wasn't a Super Bowl. As uh, the coach <laughs> wanted to say, it was. Yeah. <laughs> it certainly wasn't, but but uh, it the 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 local nature of it did make it maybe a bigger bigger FBS game than 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 normal. Um, so, it, but it, it was a good win, and you know that's that's going to count count as a win when it comes to our playoff resume. Um, you know, they really only look at FCS or FBS wins. Um, you figure you got to have at least seven of those. And so that, that's going to count toward that. So when it comes to playoff uh, uh, time, you know, that's going to be a good win for sure. Um, I just also wanted to, sorry, one more last thing, Chappie. Uh, I, want, I just want to kind of call out the, the Weber state fans. I, man, we need to show up. And uh, there wasn't, there wasn't a huge contingent there. Um, there. There was, there was a good, a good amount, but I was hoping for more. Those that were there were great. We're loud. And we loud. You know, had obvious, obvious reasons to be excited. And, but you know, I, I figured probably at least maybe half of the people that were there for Weaver were, were with, you know, because of players that players on the team. So man, I was hoping for more, but coming off of this win, I'm hoping that, uh, that, uh, the community, the, the, the students, the fans take notice and that they'll, they'll show up this Saturday because because this team deserves it, man. They, they got a huge win for this community up there in Logan and uh, they, they deserve our support. So come out, come out Saturday. Trevor, any final thoughts before I move on? 
No, well, I would just say I agree with your overall um, assessment of what the game means for this year, but how it is a building block. I will say it is a very big thing anytime you beat an FBS school, because just putting on my compliance hat here, um, FBS schools have 22 more scholarships. And a lot of times you fall apart at the end because they just have more athletes. So the fact that we really stepped on the gas at the end, despite that, I mean, that was huge. I, even if it doesn't mean anything for this year, I do think it's huge going forward. And you get a good payday too. <laughs> That's yeah. always helpful for the program for sure. Yeah. Well, guys, let's take a look at the upcoming schedule here and wrap up the show. Like we said, Saturday, September 17th, Wildcats will be taking on Utah Tech. It is Utah Tech's first uh, first opportunity to play at Stewart Stadium as D1 program. The game will be at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Uh, you can get your tickets weaverstatesports.com. Uh, so if the game's at 6, be out there tailgating but at least by 4. Chris, you going to be out there? You and, uh, you and Jared? It yes, is. we'll be out, out there. there. Yeah, <laughs> we'll probably be out there by 10 or so watching, watching some football. And great. so eating some good food, game. watching some football and yeah, hanging out with some, some good people. Come up and join us. Uh, then the following week, the Wildcats on the road, taking the trip out to Davis to take on the Aggies of UC Davis. That game will be at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time at ESPN+. Plus. So I uh, think, you know, unless you're traveling to California, you'll be watching on TV like me. Then uh, a bye week, then Saturday, October 8th, Eastern Washington comes to Stewart Stadium, 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time for that. Uh, so if game's 6 p.m., get out there and tailgate at least two hours before that. Tickets at WeberStateSports.com. Uh, and then finally, October 15th, Wildcats take a trip up to Portland State to get revenge after what happened last year, 3 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, we'll wrap up the show. Email WeberStateWeekly at gmail.com. That's how you can talk to me. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, patreon.com slash Weaver State Weekly, and the blog. I should be posting our grades from um, Saturday's performance. So that should be on the blog soon. But we will, if you got to follow us on social media, then you'll know that, right? So guys, really want to thank you all for taking some time. We went, we went a little bit long, but I think it was worth talking about, man, because this was a huge win and uh, there was a lot to talk about. So we'll wrap up the show like we always do. Weber State, Weber State. Great. 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 <laughs> Go Wildcats. Oh!